I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to the Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right. Uh, top news this week. There was a gas panic for a little while. Um, there was a ransomware attack on one of the big pipeline companies. And they shut down their pipeline. Um, there didn't actually seem to be any shortage of actual gas but there was a lot of panic buying so the there were uh, local shortages in a lot of places uh yeah so there were actually shortages because they shut down the pipeline because they were worried that they wouldn't be able to get people to pay for it yeah they uh the the so. ransomware attack uh made their billing software not work so you know it was either give out free gas or shut down the pipeline and cause nationwide shortages and they went with the second one i was really like confused at first how a ransomware attack would stop a pipeline from piping things i thought maybe there was some kind of gate that was electronically controlled or something but no turns out it, it was just a billing software thing yeah yeah uh this is good though because um it like the the as I want to say, as V. Moskowitz pointed out, um, this was a solvable problem uh, if there was, like, an actual crisis situation. Yeah. So while this was unpleasant, it doesn't really establish any, like, oh, vital American infrastructure is vulnerable to cybersecurity attacks uh, sort of precedent, because if push had come to shove, then... The government or someone could have just said, you know, we'll compensate you for whatever gas you can't process payment for and just keep the keep the fuel flowing. But then someone might make a profit. Yeah. Yeah, that is the concern. Yeah. So we can't do that. Um, and you say it was unpleasant. I mean, it was unpleasant for some people, but the rest of us. It was unpleasant for me personally. Ah, well. It was it was pleasant for me because and I got we to know have images. I'm the important one. <laughs> I got to have images of people filling trash bags with gas. That was not from this. That is fake news. That was from 2019 and in Mexico. Um, I didn't say it was from this. I said I got those images. They were fair. <laughs> they were widely shared during this. Uh, but yes, that is correct. Those uh, photos of people doing that were not were not actually a result of this, but still delightful. Was there not even one of people filling some sort of non-standard container with gas that was real? I mean, there were probably some of people filling non-standard containers, but not, like, literal trash bags. Okay. I, I like, you, you could probably find someone, like, putting gas in a bucket or something. So I didn't look deeply into this, but wouldn't a literal trash bag be dissolved by the gasoline? Yes, that's why it's funny. Okay, alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> um, and David, you wanted to point out that it was uh, kind of reported very strangely. Yeah, so this mostly affected um, the Southeast, which is why I personally suffered from it. Uh, and a lot of journalists don't live in the Southeast and don't really know anyone who lives in the Southeast. So I mean, why would you? For... A long time, this was just, like, very underreported. Uh, like, just no one was talking about it, except for Fox, who was, of course, using it as... I mean, for one thing, they were using it as, quote-unquote, proof that Biden is an incompetent moron, uh, which he <laughs> is, but this wasn't really proof of that. Um, and also probably does have something to do with their user base, or their uh, viewer base actually, like living in the south um and then later once the uh mainstream media got uh wind that this was actually a story they reported it in a comically stupid and out of touch way uh so like there was reporting that there were no long lines or price hikes uh, at a time when I literally could have driven up the street and seen insanely long prices or insanely long lines for insanely expensive gas. Um, so yeah, uh, 
mainstream media did not exactly cover themselves in glory here. Hmm. If the gas was, uh, if there were long lines, I guess the gas wasn't expensive enough. Yes, because making it expensive enough would have run afoul of price gouging laws. Also, a bunch of idiot reporters were calling this a, um, a, um, um, uh, rise in demand instead of a decrease in supply. Which made me want to punch people, because be those fair, are was extremely different. No, no, it's not. It's just, it, there was a fall in supply, and that raised the market clearing price, and because the, um, because the, um, actual price due to price gouging laws was below the market clearing price, there was a shortage. Right, but there was also a rise in demand from people panic buying. Yeah, if they were filling non-standard containers with gas, and they don't normally do that, plus everybody and his brother goes out to top off their car at once, there's definitely going to be a brief spike in demand, like there was with toilet paper. Yeah, but that's not a shift in the demand curve, it's a shift along the curve. Yeah, but okay. journalists a, don't know the a, difference between shift, shift and in, demand curves It's a and shift demand. in the quantity demanded, but oh not in the demand. Oh my god, David. For the layperson, This is important, correct. Wes. Shut up. <laughs> this is not me picking nits. This is actually important stuff. Look, if no, the economist no, reported it that way, nits. I could see the gripe. But for the layperson, it's, it's basically correct to say there was a spike in demand. No, it's not! Did, was there not more people demanding gasoline right that day than there usually is on it, any given it, day? Yes, but that's not a demand shift. No, they yes, didn't it say is. it's a demand shift. Yes, they no, did. No, but it is a demand shift. No, Normally, it's not. It's yes, a shift the... in quantity demanded. <laughs> so The price rose, so quantity demanded should have fallen. Instead, it remained static or rose. We're not quite sure which. So that means it was an actual shift in the demand curve. No, so the market equilibrium changed. And the um, the actual price people were charging wasn't allowed to change completely. And so there was a rise in quantity demanded, even while there was um, uh, the rising price, because they were moving along the demand curve due to shifting supply. Wasn't the uh, supply of actual consumer-ready retail gas basically unaffected? That's what I thought. I mean, there were a whole bunch of gas stations that normally have gas and didn't have gas, so... Because everybody went to get gas immediately. <laughs> like, the exact same thing happened the day of 9-11. All the Sounds gas like stations a spike were, out of, yeah, were out of gas, and it's not like there was a disruption to any gas supply. It's just like everybody thought, oh my god, there's gonna be war, and they ran up out and got gas. And uh, then <laughs> uh, some gas stations got charged with... Uh, with what, what is the charge when you're... Price gouging, price, I guess? Price is that gouging. literally the term the government uses when they prosecute them? Oh, I'm yep. sure there's a law that has some stupid name. Well, they got charged with basically price gouging for going up to $2 a gallon during this. Like gas. Well, I mean, it was a 100% increase at the time, but, like, you look back on that now and you're like, Jesus, $2? Man. man, I've been getting gouged. For years, man. Yeah. By paying the market clearing price. I hate it. <laughs> the government should do something about this. That you sometimes do. Never turns out nice. All right. Well, David, I uh, look forward to your uh, concession speech on the next episode. But for <laughs> now, we will move to our next story. Did we not want to talk at all about how the, the gang that did this quit? Oh, I forgot everything? about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, they released an apology. Yeah. So, apparently, they, their servers, the, the, the group that did this ransomware attack, their servers were seized uh, by a country that at the time was not named. I don't know if anyone's figured out what the country was. Uh, and a lot of the money that they had in Bitcoin and I'm assuming other assets as well, uh, were transferred to an unknown account, like without their no knowing who did it or how it was done. Uh, basically, uh, the it seems like the national community just like said no and yoink this stuff which is interesting like it reminds you that 
even though we think of the internet as not really there, like, somewhere there has to be a piece of hardware, a computer that's running this stuff, and the government there can come and take it because they have all the guns. Uh, so, uh, they pissed off enough people that they got shut down for this, and representatives of this organization, which has founders and investors... I, this is, like, basically a corporation of evil. Uh, I was surprised by this. Um, their name is Re-Evil, or possibly Revil or R-Evil, I don't know. Um, but the representatives, because this is a fucking criminal gang that has representatives, uh, said that they were sorry and that they would no longer attack uh, social sector things like healthcare and education or government sectors of any country. And their affiliates, they have affiliates, they, uh, would be required to get approval before infecting victims. Like, this is, this is a really slick operation, I guess. I don't know. I didn't think criminals were this, this savvy. Oh, you want to hear something that's really going to cook your noodle? No, but tell me anyway. So a lot of so basically the game theory of ransomware is um the ransomers need to have a really robust reputation for um actually decrypting the stuff they steal uh once they're paid. Um uh because otherwise the their victims won't pay them. They'll just, like, try to salvage as much data as they can. Oh, no. Do they ask for referrals from previous victims? As far as I know, they haven't gotten that far yet. Okay. But, well, yeah, because ransomware is a prisoner's dilemma. Yeah. Um, well, mm, Well, not quite. Yeah. But the, uh, the, the ransomers can, uh, can defect. Yes. And so they have to establish a reputation for not doing that. Yeah. Uh, so they... Uh, so um, a lot of ransomware people have, like, actual customer service call centers. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and for a while, I was actually planning on uh, calling a bunch of them and seeing if they were willing to share data because I was thinking of writing a paper about ransomware. Uh, you don't have I to lie. Never... You can say you were trying to get a job there. <laughs> um, yeah, I never actually did it, but I, while I was in preliminary research for this, I did hear a story about a hospital which uh, had four servers encrypted in a ransomware attack, and there was some sort of technical problem uh, with the decryption after they paid, and they only got three out of four servers back online. And the ransomware, the ransomers, uh, gave the hospital a full refund and sent a note apologizing for the lost <laughs> data. Wow. When they failed to decrypt to the four server. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so these things are basically like pseudo legitimate businesses, uh, apparently. Uh, because you see how easy it is for whoever the host government is to crack down on them. So as it seems as though as long as they don't make too much trouble, um, they're they're sort of quietly tolerated. <sighs> that makes me very unhappy. Like, this is the one thing governments are supposed to do, right? Protect us from violence and extortion and bad actors? Yeah, I mean, but every Who country has that bad that actors. that was government's jobs? Well, and oh, also the government's security, job is to extract rents. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Speaking of extracting rents, Israel and Hamas are shooting at each other again. No, oh, they stopped. Or did they start it again they again? Uh, no, they stopped. Okay. But uh, they they were doing it for, what, like 10 days? Hmm. Yeah, something like that. Like, I think they started just a couple hours after we stopped recording our last episode. Yeah, and, I was like, and there, was some, there was some holiday... And the Palestinians felt like super uh, insulted by not being able to get into some mosque or something. Um, and as usual, they're fighting over like the same holy site. Um, so they decided to, to fire 1,500 rockets into Israel. So as the representative of the mind killer, uh, Wes, what is our official position on who's right and should win this thing? Um, we'll get to that oh, okay. in my troop deployment. Oh, well, I'll be darned. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's, uh, what, what, that's where I'll have most of my thoughts about this. But the, the news is that, yeah, they're shooting at each other again, um, and then they stopped. Do you know why they stopped? 
Uh, probably because they got bored, as usual. <laughs> They've been doing this for like 50 years. I imagine the novelty's wearing thin. <laughs> I'm going to say international pressure. Uh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what I just said? Everyone was, uh, everyone who wasn't Israel or Hamas was like shitting their pants about this. I mean, maybe they'd gone through their allotted supply of rockets because they want to keep a reserve. They just shot yeah. off all the ones they could, and they're like, okay, that's enough. Maybe. S- speaking um, of one... which, I saw a uh, great Babylon B article or something along those lines that uh, Elon Musk was going to try to fix the Israel-Palestine rocket or oh, no. conflict by giving them a single reusable rocket, which they <laughs> no, had to share. Yeah. <laughs> just keep lobbing it back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> um... What I learned that was interesting here is that Israel apparently has something called the Iron Dome system. Yeah, that thing was cool. Which watching. are a bunch of rockets that shoot down the other rockets. And and cost about like a hundred to a thousand times more per rocket in defense. Yeah, I would guess, since the I mean the the rockets from Hamas don't even seem to be very targeted. It was a They're very- just like hit Israel. It's a very impressive way for Hamas to impose great costs on Israel when they feel insulted about something. Yeah, and what well, it's more than great costs. I mean, they don't the, the system isn't perfect. Plenty of the rockets get through. Right. There, there was a fair amount of deaths. I think they were able to intercept like eighty percent of them. They said, um, but still, very impressive that you're shooting rockets at other rockets and hitting them. All right. Uh, so that's that's a cool thing. Um, I like when. You know, military death technology gets adapted to preventing death. That's cool. It is. Someday maybe we'll be able to, like, shoot bullets at other bullets to stop them from hitting us. <laughs> I know I've seen that in movies before. <laughs> yeah, I probably have, too. Uh, all right. Anyone Anyone have any any thoughts on Israel and Palestine before we move on? Anyone? Bueller? Nope. <laughs> you are not uh, getting either of us to step uh, in that. Not with something so ham-handed. Oh my god, this is from... I just, want to, I just want everyone to know, I know you probably all listen to The Bayesian Conspiracy, but their last episode was about how it's okay to fuck 17-year-olds. Not just 17-year-olds, you can go younger if they're mature enough. You see, you see this, and this, and they still won't talk about Israel. So, uh, just historians listening to this—that's how sensitive a topic this is. It, no, it's not that I'm worried about being canceled about saying thing one way or the other. I just think the whole thing is such a fucked up clusterfuck that there's nothing sensible to say. All right, that's fair. Yeah, I, I, I just am still waiting for my um, admission to the Jewish World Order. Uh, and I don't want to say anything that'll jeopardize my application. That's also very, seems very prudent. Once you're in there, can you get tenure so you can, like, start saying bad things afterwards? I think so. Okay. I don't know. I'll need to check with the rabbis. I hope it's not the Nicole Hannah-Jones version. What's the Nicole Hannah-Jones version? Oh, oh, she got her, uh, tenure denied this (laughs) week. Oh. I wasn't going to report this, but since it came up... Um, Nicole Hannah-Jones was, like, the chief architect behind the 1619 Project, uh, which lots of people have lots of problems with. But she's a because journalist. It's and bad. Yeah. Kind of error-ridden and kind of got stealth edited after the fact to make it about something different, which yep. was weird. Um, but she had, she had, like, a faculty position at University of North Carolina, and... She was, it's a, it's a, it's sort of like an honorary position. Like she actually does some teaching, but I don't think it's much. Um, and normally that position is tenured and they decided not to give her tenure. And instead it's just like a five year thing. And (laughs) now the the lefties are calling this cancel culture. Oh, so they finally admit it exists. (laughs) I think, uh, I, I think they're, uh, probably saying it ironically or something i don't know it was really interesting when lindsay ellis got canceled she literally said like here's this thing that happened to me we don't have a word for it so i'm calling it the beast i'm like bitch it's cancel culture how do you (laughs) not have a word for it uh because what she meant was we don't have a word for it that's not right coded because Ah. the left has been doing this extremely stupid and embarrassing thing so any attempts to criticize it are, like, basically de facto right-coded because it's so obviously endemic to the left and terrible. Yeah, but if you want to know more about this, uh, Blockton reported 
included it in their uh, episode this week. So check that out. And they they basically say like, yeah, this is canceling. Um, and Nicole Hannah Jones sucks, but we're against it anyway. And I feel like that's a uh, principled position. I yeah. am not against it because my principled position is that we should cancel all journalism professoriates because journalists should journalism should be a trade school slash uh, apprenticeship system. All right, also a principled position. But anyway, we were talking about Israel, and David, yes. I know, I know, you had something you wanted to say about Israel. Yeah, so and a few other countries. Yeah, so the uh, Eurovision Song Contest uh, happened this past fortnight, and unlike with the Oscars and the State of the Union, at least one host of the Mind Killers did watch it, um, and uh, it was very good, and Israel, which... For people who don't know, uh, Israel has been so thoroughly cancelled by the UN that the uh, Middle East uh, geographic bloc has refused to accept it, because uh, it's all a bunch of Muslim countries and Israel. Um, so the Europeans said, okay, fine, you can be uh, on in our club, and one of the things membership in that club gets you is the right to participate in Eurovision. Uh, but anyway... The uh, contest went down, like, right as the conflict of, uh, between Israel and Palestine was in the news. So, uh, despite putting forth an excellent contender, um, Israel got completely shafted uh, and did very poorly. Uh, Cyprus also did quite badly, despite being... Uh, a very good performance because the voting in Eurovision is very political and uh, countries tend to vote for their neighbors uh, and Cyprus is an island so it doesn't have any of those. Uh, and also Finland uh, resurrected the ghost of the Linkin Park frontman for one more performance <laughs> and for their excellent use of nostalgia and uh, advanced necromancy, I thought they at least deserved to break the top five, uh, but they came in sixth place. Can, wait, can you clarify what you mean by the resurrected Linkin Park frontman? Oh, if you listen to the uh, Finnish... Um, uh, submission, which I assume will be in the show notes, it's literally just a Linkin Park song. Oh, <laughs> like it, it, it's not—it's not like a cover. It is an original song, but it's so. When you say literally, yeah. If I played a Linkin Park song that you'd never heard before, and then this song, you wouldn't be able to tell which one of them was Linkin Park and which one of them wasn't. Uh, okay, I got gotcha. you. So it was awesome. Yes, it was really great. <laughs> Am I the only one in this podcast that thinks Linkin Park isn't that great? No, I mean, Linkin Park sucks, <laughs> but they suck in a great way. Ah, yes. okay, gotcha. Uh, uh, all right, well, thank you, David, for your Eurovision coverage. Keeping us uh, classy. I, I feel like our listeners were probably not expecting to hear that. But, you know, expect the unexpected. Well, I've been posting about it all day in uh, the Basin Conspiracy Discord, so our listeners who uh, read Media Corner won't be... Uh, surprise but everyone else will so we have a few listeners who aren't on the discord server i think <laughs> maybe some of them have ignored the media channel though because they're tired of media could be all right next story liz cheney uh got demoted by the republican party this fortnight uh she was the third in the chain of command however that works I, I don't quite understand how congressional leadership works, but she was number three. And they voted her out because she keeps saying that Biden won the election. How dare she? Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And and her voting record is, like, super conservative. Like, she sucks. Um, but But she was, like, a darling in the party because she's just, you know, with them on everything. Well, except, also Cheney's daughter. Yeah, also Dick Cheney's daughter. Because um, you know how they love legacies. And I mean, the, Dem the Dems don't have a great record on that front, but... <laughs> yeah. Look, they all love legacies. When <laughs> I say they, I mean the whole... Okay, fair. The whole thing. Um, but yeah, they, they kicked her out of her leadership position 
um, and put in someone who doesn't have a very conservative voting record. Um, all because she keeps saying Biden won the election and Trump's full of shit. Uh, so there's apparently no room for anyone who's not a crazy Trump nut in the in Republican leadership, which is fun. Uh, who did, do you know offhand who they replaced her with? Was it the space laser bitch? No, no, it's not her. No, it's someone whose name I didn't recognize. Speaking of Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there um, some kind of movement by Republicans, the the anti-Trumpers, never Trumpers, whatever, to split off and start their own Republican Party with like hookers oh, yeah. and blackjack? I mean, there was a group of a hundred. Uh, if you can't see me, I'm making air quotes. Influential Republicans threatening to go start their own party if everyone doesn't like shut up about the stolen election. Do you think um, you don't think they're going to do, try to do that? No, no. There's the, these people are not influential. Uh, you don't have to be influential to start your own party. Well, no, but I mean, look at the libertarians. <laughs> oh, zing! <laughs> no, they're not going to start their own party. Those are empty, emptiest threat I ever seen. Hmm. I hope you are proved wrong, sir. Well, if, I I don't because if they do, it's going to be the most pathetic party you've ever seen. Uh, have you seen the Libertarian Party? Uh, more importantly, ah. have you seen the Reform Party? Yeah, this would be more pathetic than those. No. It would start False. out with 100 members of Congress already in it. It's not members of Congress. I thought you said it was 100 influential Republican Congress people. No, no, not. It was 100 influential Republicans, not Congress people. Oh. Uh, sorry. No, no. These people sorry, don't have we, any power. Can we go back to the part where you think it would be more pathetic than the Reform Party, which was literally a punchline on Futurama for how stupid it was? <laughs> Alright, I admit I don't know anything about the Reform Party. But I've heard of them, so probably less pathetic than this party uh, the is gonna be. The Reform Party is the um, party that, uh, what's his name? The uh, billionaire who self-funded a uh, presidential run Ross in the uh, early the, 90s. You gotta, you're really going to have to be more specific. Ross Perot. In the early 90s. Yeah, Ross Perot. Um, it's the party that he started uh, when he failed to um, win. And it was full of complete and utter cuckoo banana pants people. Uh, from, like... Literal Marxists to literal Nazis. Cool. That's a like widespread. It, it was basically the dreg joke, but unironic. I, I mean, Perot did joke. get like 15% of the presidential vote. They literally had to change how they do elections because of him. Did they change it? Yes, they did, so that third parties basically don't have any shot anymore. What did, do you know what they changed? Yeah, uh, they changed a lot of the cutoffs for who was allowed on the ballot and who was allowed in um, national televised debates. Oh, well, I mean, it's still not tough getting on the ballot. Well, Plenty of idiots get on the ballot. I mean, since Ross Perot, we have never had a third-party candidate that got more than, like, what, 1% to 2%? Yeah, but we've never had one that well-funded. Yeah, I think there are some people that are as well-funded as Ross Perot. Yeah, but they're not running third parties. <laughs> I would have to look that up because maybe you. Are I, yeah, I think I think the main the reason Perot got so much attention was he just spent like a billion dollars. They changed the rules on who they allow in their debates, so yeah, that's true. He had an influence on uh, on all future elections at any rate. So now we've only got the two lizards to choose from. All right. Well, anyway, our next story is from Eniash. Oh, yeah, there was a West Virginia cop who was actually, like, a good cop, and when the suicidal dude was holding a gun, which was apparently an empty gun anyway, uh, and threatening to kill himself, and he was just trying to talk him down. Um, he, like, he saw all the suicidal, I want to say tendencies, but that reminds me of a song and a band, but uh, all the signs, I guess, of, of being suicidal, and that this guy was not a danger to him, and so he was, you know, talking him down, trying to trying to get him to to not be threatening himself with a gun anymore, 
or threatening other people. And then uh, another police cruiser came driving up the road, and he tried to tell the officers coming out of the cruiser that they should, you know, step back. He's got this. It's fine. Don't panic. And um, the victim started waving an empty gun around, and uh, the officers, you know, shot him down and killed him. And, uh, you know, obviously he was distraught about this. But even more distressing is that he was fired for not shooting him, and uh, he, I guess he made other cops look bad by not shooting immediately. And uh, now he is suing the city that that fired him for not shooting a suicidal dude. And I hope he does very well. Yes. Yeah, that sounds so, uh, pretty horrifying. Okay, so can someone explain to me no. how we ended up with a system where it is possible to fire cops... But only if they do demonstrably good things. Because <laughs> it seems like we've got a system where we have literally the worst of all possible worlds. Where you can't fire cops that do terrible stuff. And cops that actually do good things get immediately shit-canned. You want to know how we got here? Yes. Police unions. But wouldn't the police unions be protecting the guy who got fired? Isn't that what unions are supposed to do? Uh, no, he's outgroup. How is he outgroup? He's a cop! Because he didn't shoot that guy. What? He's He's a cop that doesn't shoot people. The point of the police unions is to defend cops no matter what they do when it's really bad shit, and he's demonstrating that you don't have to do that bad shit. No, it's to defend cops whenever, whatever they do, period. No, that's true. Um, I, yeah, I don't know the specifics of this case. I assume the police union tried to stop him from getting fired, but somehow, for some reason, couldn't. It's um, a- but then again, he's suing, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe they didn't comply with the union contract. Well, yeah. it doesn't say that he, um, may, I mean, maybe he was tried, defended by the police union in some way, and it's just not mentioned. But what he says is that a week after the shooting, he got word that the, uh, the department was conducting an investigation, and then he was placed on administrative leave, and then a few weeks later, he was fired. And he says he was never once interviewed or questioned about what he did or didn't do or why. And since then, he hasn't had any contact with anyone from the department. So I'm assuming the union did not get involved, but maybe there was some behind-the-scenes union stuff where they tried to defend him, I don't know. Well, this article says, because of his probationary status at the time of the shooting, the police union declined to get involved. Ah, there we go. Should have kept reading. Um, so, yeah, apparently he was a hired as a probationary police officer, whatever that means. It means they're not sure if he's going to shoot people yet or not. I guess so. But, yeah, the, apparently this union decided not to defend him. So maybe it is uh, an outgroup thing. They only want to defend the cops who shoot people. Anyway, speaking of shooting people, so the terrible, terrible, awful, crummy, miserable place that I live has uh, basically mean been South Carolina. stopped from murdering people for a while, and they have gotten a massive murder boner that they want to get rid of. Uh, and so not only is South Carolina trying to restart its, uh, edu- its executions program, it has, as part of the bill that's meant to restart this program, uh, included a provision for what to do if they run out of lethal injection drugs, in which case the, uh, death row inmate is to be given a choice between electric chair and firing squad. Because apparently, the South Carolina legislature think we live in the 1880s. Does sound like a very South Carolina thing to do. It's an extremely South Carolina thing to do. But, I mean, the so the worst part about this story is that they... For the firing squads, they're going to load one of the rifles with a blank so that, like, you can assuage your conscience if you're on the firing squad or whatever. But the thing is, as a South Carolinian should well know, you can tell when you shoot a gun that has a blank in it. It feels and sounds extremely different from when you throw an actual bullet because that's how equal and opposite reactions work. 
If you're just pushing air, then the gun doesn't get pushed backwards nearly as hard as if you're throwing a big chunk of lead. So it's, it's, it's clearly, a social deniability thing. These idiots who wrote this bill aren't even South Carolinian enough to know how guns work. I mean, that's always how it's been, though. It's not like they specifically didn't know that. It's it's a long tradition. No, they they used to uh, shoot wax bullets, which are not deadly, but they do feel very different from lead bullets, but they are at least, like, plausible deniability-inducing. Blanks are just, like, it's impossible to mistake shooting a blank for shooting a real bullet. Hmm. All right. Well, hopefully they don't end up shooting anyone. I find it interesting uh, that the most outrageous part is that they're using blanks. <laughs> no, that I don't think that's the most outrageous part. That's not part. the most outrageous part. That's the least justifiable part. Because ah. these fuckers are ostensibly South Carolinian, and so I should expect them to at least know how guns work. But clearly they can't even manage that bare minimum. Do you think they bothered to read the bill before they voted for it? They're usually drafted up by people that aren't them, right? Oh, yeah. I feel like they probably would have, uh... They would have read it very carefully to help them get to sleep at night. (laughs) They read it to their children. Uh, I I was implying that they masturbated to it, but possibly at the same time, (laughs) yes? Oh, my God. (laughs) I, I win at not having the most objectionable content anymore. Uh, this is a blue slash gray tribe coded podcast uh, implying that a red state legislature is full of pederasts is not objectionable content. Well, no, but putting true. the image of people masturbating in front of their children in somebody's mind is more objectionable, I would say. Yeah, but see, I'm trying to move on from this and you guys just keep wanting to talk about it. We really shouldn't. It, so. We should, in fact, cut probably most of this from the final. No, this is all staying No, in. man, this should go. <laughs> All right, Eniash is uh, volunteering to edit this week's episode. Uh, what I meant to say is, this is great content, and we should keep it all in. <laughs> That's what I thought. All right, uh, next on the list, we've got some abortion news. What? No cheers for abortion news? I mean, it's all oh, right because all the all the news is bad. Yeah. Um, Just... Roe versus Wade is probably getting overturned this term. Can you- Go into more detail about why you think that. Yeah. So there is a case that the Supreme Court has just granted certiorari to um, called Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. And it's a uh, challenge to the constitutionality of a Mississippi law that bans abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy. Now, very clear Supreme Court precedent says you can't ban abortion before um it's really before the third trimester you can't ban it outright and before the second trimester you're not allowed to put any restrictions on it um or you can only do like very minimal restrictions um this is a ban at 15 weeks so that's in the first trimester and it's um clearly unconstitutional under the prior precedent so the only reason for the court to grant certiorari here is to overturn it well, couldn't they, like, reinforce Roe for Suede? I mean, they could reinterpret it. Well, couldn't they just... There could be some kind of... Couldn't they review this and say, yes, we agree, you're, you're, this totally should not be a law, get the fuck out of here? Oh, no, because that's not how the Supreme Court works. If they wanted to do that, they would have just declined to review it, because that's what the lower courts said. And there's no, there's no dispute here, there's no circuit split. Everyone, it's very clear that what the prior precedent says, so the only reason to grant certiorari here is to make some kind of change in the prior precedent. Mm. Um, now, you know, it's uh, possible Brett Kavanaugh could have a change of heart between now and then, because they're probably not going to announce this decision for, you know, till, till next spring. Uh, but doubtful. Uh, so, um... When Roberts announced that he was retiring, I put up a question on Metaculus about whether Roe v. Wade would be overturned by 2028. Um, I don't think you mean Roberts. Oh, yeah, Kennedy. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Robert Kennedy. Um, And that's currently sitting at a median of 29%. So if you want a 
easy way to get some cheap fake internet points, uh, go bet on that. Yeah. 2028, you said? Yes. Yeah, because I'm not, you know, I, I, I'd still, I still think they probably won't overturn it outright on this decision. I think it's likely they'll do some kind of weakening of the rule where they're like, they'll uphold this law and make up some new rule about how this is okay without explicitly overturning Roe versus Wade. But then I think you get, you know, three or four more cases and then they'll, then they'll do it because that's just the way the Supreme Court usually works. Uh, but it's possible they could just overrule it because, you know, Roberts is the one who really cares about that, you know, precedent procedure and that kind of thing. And um, he's he can't do anything if the other five conservatives want to overturn this. And I know um, at least four of them do. Um, it's really Kavanaugh that is the, the swing vote here. Is it- and I and he he pretty clearly wants to overturn Roe versus Wade, but he also seems like more of a uh, you know let's do it slowly and methodically kind of guy. Well, that is very bad news. That is very bad news. Um, so that sucks, but that's uh, probably what's going to happen. And there's not really anything anyone can do. And maybe uh, Justice Thomas will decide to retire between now and then, but somehow I doubt it. Uh, okay, there's another. Uh, piece of abortion news from Enia. Yeah, but the latest Texas abortion bill empowers private citizens to sue abortion providers and anyone else who helps someone get an abortion after six weeks by, for example, driving them to an abortion clinic. Um, I That's pretty horrific, I guess. The private citizens do not need to have a connection to an abortion provider or a person seeking an abortion and the person, the private citizen suing, and they would not even need to reside in Texas. Uh, there is a provision in here that says a person who has impregnated someone through rape or incest cannot sue. Which, I mean, I I guess that's to prevent a rapist from suing the person he raped to not get an abortion, but holy fuck, the fact that you have to have that provision in your law is fucking awful. Um, I... I know that there's currently a lot of programmers leaving um, Silicon Valley, and a lot of them are moving to Texas because they can work remotely in Texas, no income tax uh, laws. I I think these people, if they're female, are absolutely fucking crazy. I think if they're males who uh, are bringing females with them that they have any sort of emotions for, they're again fucking crazy. I knew a geologist who had to move to Texas for work for about three years, and this was half a decade ago, and she was fucking terrified being there the whole time, because you never know if something might happen, and moved out again as soon as she could. Like, I, I know Texas isn't an, a, a rapey hellscape or anything, but oh my god, like, you, something might happen, there's not a lot of chance of something happening, but it could, and then you're stuck in fucking Texas, and what do you do? Like, don't, don't move to Texas, it's, it's a terrible idea. And uh, now seems now seems like a good time to remind everyone that um, it is fairly easy to get um, medications just through the mail that will uh, induce miscarriages. Uh, as far as I know, they're relatively safe and effective. Um, so if you do live in one of these dystopian hellscapes, uh, it's actually pretty easy to get around these laws because technology is better than government. Definitely do that. And that's how David got sued for facilitating abortions in Texas. Could could they sue him if he's not in Texas? Well, this entire law seems insane and unconstitutional for like a hundred reasons um first of all because it bans abortions after six weeks which is under current court precedent not legal um but also this whole thing about granting a private right of action to anyone that who who can sue a is someone who who assists someone getting an abortion that seems like super unconstitutional um, but I'm not sure about that because I, I guess under s- state law, states are empowered to, to do what they want and they can grant standing to anyone they want to. It just seems like a super crazy thing to do. Um, but you'd still have to, I, I, I don't know what the text of this law says. Cause you'd have to prove damages somehow. Like what, what are you suing for? Just that you're upset that they got an abortion. So if we have any listeners 
that are in Texas and want to do a uh, Bicentennial Man-style performative lawsuit, um, feel free to sue me uh, so that we have a good public forum to argue about how unfathomably stupid this law is in front of courts. Also, Wes, if you can hook me up with someone who will defend pro bono in that case, uh, that'd be nice. I, I mean, I still uh, think you might have to live in Texas to get sued under this law. Probably. It's probably. They probably lack long-arm jurisdiction over you. Although, you're on a podcast, which is national, so maybe not. Um, if we do have listeners in Texas, though, I know Eniash made things sound a little more dire than they are. If you are in Texas and you need an abortion, you can just leave Texas. Uh, just get on a plane, go to a real state, and get an abortion there. Or get those um, over-through-the-mail abortion things. Yeah, but I like my solution, because then just don't go back to Texas. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that works too. Um, just you're out of Texas, you you win. Yeah. Uh, right. Anyone else have any more comments about that? No? No, just not really. Okay, well then we're moving on to happy news. Oh, thank God. Good news, everyone! Uh, first piece of happy news is that the CDC did a, like, huge about-face uh, a couple of weeks ago and basically said um, if you're vaccinated you don't have to wear masks anymore dudes, indoors and outdoors five days from now I'm finally going out to the local goth club who's having their grand reopening this weekend and getting my dance on and it's gonna be oh awesome. shit nice oh my god you've been waiting for this for so long I have for well over a year and they require proof of vaccination to get in the door so like just everything is perfect awesome I'm very happy for oh you. Oh, my God. I, I so can't wait. Uh, my local swingers club is reopened. Oh, fun. So that's nice. Yeah. So you can go have uh, anonymous sex again. Um, I don't think they're asking for proof of vaccination, but, you know, buyer beware. <laughs> also, swinging is pretty red tribe, so probably a lot of anti-vaxxers. Wait, swinging is red tribe? Oh, yeah. What? I didn't know this. Poly- no, polyamory is blue tribe. Swinging is red tribe. Yes. Huh. Yeah, totally. Witness Jerry Cuckwell Jr. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's its own thing. I just assumed that any sort of crazy sexual proclivity was blue tribe-ish. No, so swinging is very interesting. Actually, um, grew out of the military. What? Yeah, because uh, they would have... Um, I think it came from the Air Force, where before they were flying a dangerous mission, they would have key parties. If you don't know what that is, it's that the uh, all the men put their keys in a bowl, and the women fish around in the bowl and pull out a set of keys, and then you fuck whoever's keys you got. That sounds really terrible. But it's the uh, it was the idea that you know you wanted a uh, the a, a, one of your buddies to like look after your wife if you died on the mission. <laughs> Wait, why? Hold on. Why would he look after her just because he fucked her the night before? No, I mean look after her sexually. What? None of this makes any sense. <laughs> oh, I think you're making the, things up, Wes. I think you're just seeing part, how much I will no, swallow. No, this is real. The best part is, to this day, adultery is a crime under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, so that's super illegal, and you could get court-martialed for it. Well, they might have added that because they heard about these key Oh, no, it's been illegal since, like, the 1700s. The Uniform Code no. of Military Justice is insane. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, I've hung out in uh, a few uh, swinger uh, events and spaces and stuff. And yeah, it's pretty, pretty red tribe. Huh, well, okay then. Lots of, because uh, the thing is about swinging is that um, there's a lot of like ownership of people. It's like you, there's like these, these codes of conduct that sort of res- recognize that like, men kind of own their wives so you go like talk to the man and get his permission first and it's all kind of weird um and definitely not like blue tribe friendly and are the women okay with this yes okie dokie well i mean whatever consenting adults want to do yeah uh it's it's kind of demeaning but at the same time it means a bunch of dudes aren't coming up to hit on you so no okay i guess that's fair but i mean i guess you would talk with your spouse first and be like you know if he comes up say yes but if he say no that kind of thing well i think you know once you get permission from the husband it doesn't automatically mean you get permission from the wife too oh okay so 
It's like you have you have permission to court my wife is basically the thing. Oh, that's I guess not as bad. Still kind of strange, but I guess I can see it as a weird, different other culture. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think I think blue tribers um, have some culture shock going into it. But anyway, yeah, we were talking about the CDC and how they did something right for once. Thank God they yeah they said swingers could get yeah. it on, and it's uh it's great. Like I think, you know, I we I, one of my uh, troop deployments a while back was about how we need to stop listening to the CDC like normal. Yes, you can go to your swingers club without getting vaccinated. Just you can't drive <laughs> if it's raining or dark. <laughs> um, but it's still nice when the CDC, you know, doesn't get in the way. Uh, so it's you know, I, I'm very glad they issued this, and it's given a lot of places political cover to lift their mandates which is good not new jersey of course we still have an indoor mask mandate um but a lot of other states are doing that uh david you have a happy news story for us yeah uh so in georgia uh which one would think it would be a hellscape state but is actually apparently improving at least by a little bit uh a black man was arrested for basically loitering while black. Um, uh, he was not doing anything, but these police rolled up on him, like, started hassling him, and eventually um, decided that they were going to arrest them. And because they had absolutely no right to do this, this man uh, quite correctly uh, resisted the arrest. Uh, including uh, kicking the door of the police car once he'd been loaded in uh, hard enough to damage it. And um, the cops were thoroughly reprimanded for uh, this unlawful arrest, uh, by which, I mean, they got a slap on the wrist and then were let go. Um, And then the city sued the man for um, damaging their property, Uh, and the court said, uh, no, fuck you, it is lawful to resist unlawful arrests, even if doing so results in damage to government property. Uh, they, uh, came to this decision based off of a similar case from, like, the 1600s in England, which I love that, uh, sometimes you go back to, uh, British common law in American law. It's great. Um, and, uh, yeah, for the curious, the eight shithole states where it's statutorily required to submit to an unlawful arrest are Alabama, California, Iowa, Kansas, Montana, New Hampshire, New York, and Oregon. This is, like, kind of surprising. I would assume that, uh, the courts wouldn't want citizens on the fly deciding whether or not this is an unlawful arrest and and resisting based on their own opinions. Yes, that is what an authoritarian state wouldn't like. <laughs> yes, I'm also surprised, but also happy. <laughs> That's why it's in happy. Yes. Huh. I just, okay. I'm learning all sorts of weird things today. All right. And our last piece of happy news is from me because Eniash keeps calling us out about he's the only one who gets any happy news. Yeah. So this episode, he got no happy news, and me and David came up with happy news. Um, so this last one is that the first genetically modified mosquitoes have been released in the United States, and they've been genetically modified to die, <laughs> uh, and more specifically, to prevent um the entire species from reproducing you could say everyone that everything alive has been genetically modified to die well with a couple of small exceptions but these have been intentionally modified by people uh to to disrupt the um the breeding cycle um and it's a it's a certain species of mosquito um they're releasing them in the in the florida keys um, they are particularly disease-carrying uh, uh, species. Um, so they genetically engineered some some of these mosquitoes. So they will create. And I'm I'm looking at the article again because I forget exactly how it's supposed to happen. 
So here we go. The males of uh, females, uh, males of mosquito species don't bite. It's only the females that do. Uh, these genetically engineered males carry a gene that passes to their offspring. Uh, it kills female offspring, but lets male offspring survive. So we get more and more of these males that A, don't bite, and B, only give birth to more males. So eventually the... Oh, so it's like China. Yes, <laughs> except even worse. And eventually there's no females left, and the whole species ends that generation. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so yeah, it's all dudes, and apparently they don't bite. Uh, so this is a great idea. Uh, fuck mosquitoes; they're the worst things ever. More accurately, don't fuck mosquitoes. No, no fuck mosquitoes I mean, if you have that gene. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Um. Uh, I hope they expand this to every mosquito on the planet. Cause fuck them. Here, here. Or every region on the planet. Is it specifically just one species of mosquito that's the really bad ones? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's the I, I know these are the really bad ones in Florida. Um, I don't know if there's like worse ones in Africa. Ah, okay. Uh, but yeah, these these guys, yeah, they carry lots of diseases and they suck. They do. You need to get rid of them. Um, but yeah, all mosquitoes are terrible, and we should kill them all. And I don't care if it disrupts the ecosystem but it probably won't even because mosquitoes don't do anything useful for anybody i am really glad we're going through with this and again kind of surprised because of the whole bioethicist bullshit but right wow how did the bioethicists prevent us from letting people buy vaccines but somehow allowed genetically modified mosquitoes to be released I suspect that someone was able to lure the bioethicists into a closet and then lock them in there that's what COVID was all about. Yes. It, it, <laughs> it was, was all distracting. It was them. all a ruse. They're like, aha, now let's do the real science. Well, they're all distracted. All right. Well, that brings us to troop deployments. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our three hosts to send out a soldier onto the battlefield every episode. And we'll start with David. Yeah, so I have been mainlining nostalgia directly into my eyeballs by playing uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I have uh, gotten through the first game and have just started the second literally like five minutes before we... uh, got on this call which was not a great idea because the uh opening cutscene was still playing when we started uh the call uh but it's great and i love it and just revisiting this piece of fiction that was like such a formative part of my teenage years has been amazing it holds up really well like a lot of the bad parts of mass effect one were tightened up and uh so i was just able to enjoy the story without having to grind through the awful mechanics uh it's been making me seriously consider revisiting my authorial roots and writing a mass effect rational fiction um i like i i really have had some good ideas about how I think I can get that to work. Um, so yeah, I'm probably going to stream my, uh, note-taking playthrough on the Bayesian Conspiracy Discord. Uh, so if that sounds like the sort of thing you're interested in, uh, then join our Discord. And, uh, also, if you, like me, have amazing memories from high school of playing mass effect then get the legendary edition it's well worth it can confirm it is awesome um and if you've never played mass effect before i suggest picking it up anyway uh mass effect is an amazing game um it's got you know fun gameplay uh it's a it's really it's a, it's a joy to play but what really is the standout about it is the world building uh, it's got this amazing universe with like 20 different alien species. They all have weird histories with each other. There's all kinds of intricate politics going on between them all. And it's really interesting. So I suggest picking it up and like really, really digging into the lore because it's awesome. I would like to triple sign that suggestion. It's a great series. All right. Well, thank you, David. Um, Eniash, we'll go to you. Okay. I would like for everybody to stop calling people who are over 14 kids or children because physiologically they're basically just new adults. 
And yeah, they don't have a lot of experience compared to older adults, but a 20-year-old doesn't have much experience compared to a 40-year-old, and a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old doesn't have much experience compared to a 60-year-old, and it's just a thing that you have to accrue as you get older. And the way that we infantilize uh, these new adults and strip them of all their rights is really not just disgusting in, in a how-could-you-do-this-to-people way, but uh, also damaging to them psychologically. You, you are taking people who want to start living their lives and doing something that matters and telling them, you have no rights, you can do nothing that matters, uh, you are just going to be stuck in stasis for years. And yeah, no wonder teens fucking go nuts. I did too. So yeah, you, you should stop doing that. I'm really hoping that once we get the trans rights thing sorted out, this will be the next big cultural push. Uh, especially because one of the problems with trans rights is that kids who are in their teens are denied any rights to change their bodies, and that would this would kind of be a natural outgrowth of that. Uh, I am a little worried it might go the other way, since there's this big Puritan culture now that has been going around, which I found strange, where people are like, oh, I don't know if you can even consent to people with sex in their early 20s, because they just aren't mature enough yet, and uh, that, it could go the exact opposite way, which would be horrible. But uh, that is my troop deployment, and I'm going to cut it short there because if you tune into the Basin Conspiracy next week, uh, the entire episode is going to be about this and um, a book I've been reading about it because fucking A, I stopped taking away people's rights. Okay. That episode has already been released. No, no, that episode was the one about having sex with uh, people who are younger. <laughs> oh, there's a whole nother there's one. There's the one about the full legal rights for people who are as young as ah, 12, as long as they can pass through competency tests, and how it's been fucking our society, and how this used to not be a thing in the past. I'm going to go out on a lame and register the advanced prediction that this will get worse, because my thesis is that this problem... Uh, is an effect of minimum wage laws, and if you want the long form of the explanation for the logic behind that, I guess you're just going to need to invite me on for that minimum wage episode we've been talking about forever. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Thank you, Eniash. Uh, incidentally, I agree with that and also appreciate that you've now completed the trifecta of mentioning this on all three of your podcasts. <laughs> I do what I have to for the good of the nation. <laughs> All right. Um, my troop deployment this week, I didn't script anything this week like I normally do. Uh, I know you're all disappointed because I really, you know, always get some zingers in there. I want to hear you speaking extemporaneously. But uh, so I wanted to say something about Israel and Palestine. Um, but I think as uh, as it was pretty obvious Earlier, it's hard to think of what to say about it. I can't wait to hear what you say about the egg take. I really hope that's a reference to the um, uh, trans community lingo, but go on. <laughs> no, no, it is Aww. not. It is not. No, no. So the, I, I just want to point out the worst take I heard about Israel and Palestine, um, which Freddie DeBoer linked. It wasn't his originally. He linked to somebody else saying it. But it was... Um, the in any conflict where an egg smashes itself against a high wall, I'll take the side of the egg. Where in this analogy, the egg is the Palestinians an and the wall is Israel. Take. What I the know, shit? I know it is. It's so bad. That is such a bad um, take. So it's just you know reflexively siding with the weaker party, no matter what they do, is um, not not recommended. Uh, do not do that. Um, look at what people do and judge them based on that, not their relative power. I mean, wait, that's wait, so certainly did, you can take that into guy, account. Was this guy one of those people that re Republicans talk about who were cheering on 9-11? <laughs> He's probably pro-neo-Nazi, too, since neo-Nazis are pretty powerless in the U.S. I, 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 I doubt it because I really think it's impossible to actually have that position. He was just putting out an argument as soldier thing. Yeah. So some applause lights. Um, so that's that's the worst take. You know, my take is, you know, uh, you know, look at what these countries actually did. Look at the whole situation and judge based on that. I uh, cannot because I have not looked that deeply into it. So I don't know exactly what happened. So I don't really have much of an opinion on who did what wrong. I have looked moderately deeply into it, and I am approximately as confused as Wetz is. All right. Good to know. Um, but what I wanted to do was step back for a second and 
remind everyone that religion is stupid. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, Real blast from the past here. Right? It's become kind of, uh, you know, gauche to mention in the past 10 years. Uh, this used to be a big thing on the internet. Tonight we're going to party like it's 1999. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, Scott Alexander has a great episode, uh, blog post about how uh, the, re- re- the the entire internet used to be about atheism, and it sort of morphed into being about social justice and how that happened. Very interesting. Um, but so nobody mentions that anymore, really. And I just I feel like everyone should remember that the Israeli and Palestinian conflict is not really a about land. It's not about rights. Uh, it's about religion. Um, the Palestinians, you know, their their situation objectively sucks, and any reasonable person would just leave. Um, you know, if my home started thing, the things that are happening in, uh, the West Bank started happening at where I live, you know, it would suck, but I would leave. Um, and the Palestinians can probably get asylum in one of many countries. I I know a lot of our asylum systems aren't great, but if they're for anything, it's for this sort of thing. Um, but they don't leave because what this fight is actually about are holy sites, that are important to people because of religion. Um, and it's dumb. And I know we all kind of take it for granted now that everyone thinks religion is dumb. Uh, but a lot of people don't think that. And we should remember that it is. Huzzah. All right. That's our show for this week. Uh, please follow us on, you know, whatever, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave us reviews. Good or bad. We'll take anything. Um, subscribe to our Patreon so you'll get exclusive perks like being able to chat with us in our exclusive uh, Discord channel for patrons only. You'll get early access to episodes. Uh, and if we get some more uh, patrons, we'll probably get around to making some more bonus episodes that are just for you guys. Uh, and we'll be back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye.